0: Hey Heat Nation! Welcome back to Heaters Gonna Heat, part of the OTG Podcast Network. Thank you for checking in as always. I'm your host, Kyle Russell, here to chat a little about our favorite NBA team, the Miami Heat, coming off a Game 3 win last night against the Milwaukee Bucks, 122 to 99, putting them up 2 1 in a best of seven series against the number one seed in the first round as an eight seed. I mean And in a way, (laughs) this series is kind of an encapsulation of what this entire season has been. Just a roller coaster up, down, now back up. Uh, Maybe we're in for a big letdown in Game 1 Monday. But for today, we'll stay positive because it's definitely a positive day. 122 over 99, a Game 3 win. Gotta love it. We'll go through the recap for the game last night and then look ahead to Game 4. That'll be on Monday. So let's dive right on in. So for the game itself, the Heat continue to be without uh, Tyler Hero. He'll still be out this entire series. So maybe I should stop including that in the notes at this point. Uh, before the Milwaukee Bucks, again, a late scratch. Giannis Antetokounmpo being out that part. I think this kind of makes sense from from what we understand about Giannis's injury at this point. It's primarily pain tolerance. And so if, in that situation, you don't really know when the pain is going to subside. So, and then you couple that with the Bucks winning game two in a blowout fashion the way that they did. You can kind of look at it and say, hey, we're a little bit before the game. Giannis, the pain hasn't subsided. We blew them out game two. Let's roll the dice and not put Giannis out game three and see if we can sneak away with the game three win. Did not work out in their favor, unfortunately, but I at least understand the logic there. So Giannis continuing to be out. The Heat would go with an adjustment. This is one that I mentioned on the last episode, putting Kevin Love in in place of Duncan Robinson to try to mitigate some of the size disadvantage that the Heat have versus the Bucks. Heat still went nine deep in the first half, uh, you know, still with Kyle Lowry, Caleb Martin coming off the bench, but also with Duncan Robinson and Victor Oladipo contributing well off the bench as well. They did extend their rotation to 10 in the third quarter, but that was primarily because they had to put Cody Zeller in while Kevin Love was on the bench and uh, Bam Adebayo was on the bench as well due to foul trouble in the third and then once it got into some garbage time in the fourth, they extended it beyond that as well. Some U- we got some UD in the playoff minutes. That's dope. And then for the Milwaukee side of it, they still stuck with the same nine, just missing Giannis to have that same 10 round rotation they started this series with. And then as like with Miami, they extended their rotation a little in garbage time as well. So the rotations, I'm a little bit interested in uh, seeing how these evolve as the series continues to go on. For the recap of the game itself, the Bucks got out to an early lead in the first after a 7-0 run to put them up 14-7. That would be the high point of their night. After trading a few more buckets, Jimmy Butler completely took the game over, going on a self-powered 12-0 run. He scored 12 straight points while the Bucks scored absolutely nothing, all by himself. And then Bam Adebayo added in two free throws on top as Miami ends the first quarter on a 14-0 run to be up 8, and from there they pretty much would not look back. In the second quarter, Miami went on an 11-1 to run to extend their lead up to 18. Milwaukee responded with an 8 to cut it down to 10, but the key- Kept it double digits plus around there, eventually being up 13 at halftime. And the interesting thing from the second quarter, like we saw in Game 2, where Game 2, the Milwaukee Bucks three-point shooting really got crazy in the second quarter. Here in Game 3, they started going crazy in the second as well, going 7-9 of nine from three. But Miami matched them going 7-9 from three as well to keep that double-digit lead going into halftime. Third quarter came out. The Bucks tried to get into some of their post play like they had done before, but Miami did an excellent job picking off those entry passes, getting eight—sorry, six steals in the third quarter, heat pushing their lead as high as 20 before it eventually settled down to 15 going into the fourth. And then the other key thing of interest in the third quarter, Jimmy Butler uh, taking a bit of a dive, landing squarely on his ass, uh, rather than, like, his tailbone, like what happened with Giannis. But landing right on his ass, having to go back to the locker room, would eventually be diagnosed with a bruised glute. So Miami definitely up big, but a little bit of nervousness because who knows what's going to happen with Jimmy Butler now. Fourth quarter comes around. The Bucks trim the lead to as low as 13, and then Miami, without Jimmy Butler and with only one starter in there, and Bam at a buyout. So this is primarily a bench unit. Puts the game away on a 15-4 to run, with the Bucks then waving the white flag down 24 points with four minutes left. From there, we cruised on to the end. So Jimmy didn't have to play. Love got to rest. Struess and Vincent didn't have to play either. Only Bam for, for a significant amount of the game. And then, you know, after the Bucks waved the right flag those last four minutes, that's our garbage time. So Bam didn't play that as well. So a lot of starters got rest. Miami got out to a what ended up being a 23-point win and now a 2-1 lead in the series. Big takeaways from this game. First one just has to be as, as is usual with, Miami, with the Miami Heat. Giving Jimmy Butler his flowers, but for different reasons than we're usually used to. Jimmy Butler led the Miami Heat shooters, which is a very rare thing to say. He did finish with 30 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals on 12 of 19 from the field. Only 2 of 3 from the free throw line. And where I've been building this up to, 4 of 4 from 3 point range. Perfect from 3 point range. Most of those coming in that 12-0 run that he had in the first quarter, he would end up finishing with 17 points in the first quarter, though he is a little bit injured now. Possibly the only good part of this is it seems to be mainly uh, a bruised glute, so that's like a bruised muscle. It's not good, but it's not as bad as like a bone bruise, like if he had landed on his tailbone, for example. But Jimmy Butler leading the Miami Heat shooters. Miami went 16 of 33 from three-point range. It's good for 49% compared to the Bucks 15 of 39, which is good for 39%. So the Bucks still had volume and they still had good efficiency but Miami matching the three point makes with even better efficiency though the heat are starting to get their three point volume up a little bit as the games go on so like even that game 1 win where they blew out the bucks and they shot 60% from 3 they did that on 25 attempts so very relatively small volume like we've we saw the bucks make 25 threes in game two, we attempted 25 in game one. So getting our volume up to 33, also good. But at the efficiency we were shooting at, it we didn't have to get the volume up that high to do a bunch of damage. Uh, next takeaway, Duncan Robinson leading the bench. Duncan finishing with 20 points, three rebounds, two assists on seven and nine from the field five of six from three-point range, so we did see some of that rhythm he built in game two in the garbage time translate over into this game, and again, was able to do it just fine off the bench. Uh, also, to had one of one from the free throw stripe, and dusted Drew Holiday on a play that had a lot of people talking uh, about it on Twitter afterwards, but leading Miami's bench that outscored Milwaukee's 55 to 21 in non-garbage time i specifically include that because i think we had uh, like four points and they had another seven points in garbage time from the bench players just to throw that out there when the game mattered miami's bench completely dominated the bucks and that was a huge contributing factor i mean that's 34 point plus 34 off of just bench that is the game when you win by 33 next takeaway the turnovers Miami forced 18 turnovers on the Milwaukee Bucks the interesting part 13 of those turnovers were steals live ball steals no team average double digit steals in the regular season to give you context. Mommy had thirteen that night. And where they were really doing most of their damage was off of attempted entry passes to like Brooke Lopez. So there was a good sequence in the third quarter in specific when the Bucks are trying to get back into the game where they managed to get Max Struce switched onto Brooke Lopez and like, all right, we could just we can just throw that in, right? Nope, Max Struce hustles, jumps up, tips the pass out. The, and that ends up being a Miami possession now. Same attempt with Gabe Vincent. Nope, that ain't going to work. Kevin Love. Nope, that ain't going to work. Consistently, my, the Bucs were trying to go to the Brooke Lopez post. And kind of like what we've seen Miami do before uh, in previous series with Joel Embiid, if you look to last year's playoffs in the second round matchup against the Sixers, they just fronted him well, prevented the uh, uh, any sort of clean entry pass. And we're able to just pick off a bunch of, um, to, again, six steals in the third quarter, a lot of those coming off of those attempted entry passes. And that extra energy and effort to pick off those entry passes paid off in two big areas for Miami. First, reducing the Bucks points in the paint from 52 in Game 2 they were bludgeoning Miami inside to a much, much more manageable 36 in Game 3. Makes sense. If Brooke Lopez can't even catch an entry pass, how is he then going to score in the paint? Simple enough. And then the other part of it, you get those uh, live ball turnovers and then you can just force it down the other end. Miami taking those 13 steals and turning them into 21 points off of turnovers, which, again, just helps. That's been part of Miami's system like through most of the year use your defense to generate turnovers, and then turn that into easier buckets on the offensive end because usually the offensive end, they've been struggling because of bad three-point shooting. But if they're getting those easy points on offense from the turno- from the defense and they're getting 40-plus percent shooting, like they shot 49% this game, well, that's how you get to what is somehow one of, if not the most efficient offense in the postseason. None of this makes sense. We just, we just live with it. So, point there being, though, the Miami's defense and getting to the back to those turnovers, that defensive principle, paid off big in this win. Next takeaway, an unfortunately tragic one. Uh, Victor Oladipo injured himself late in the fourth quarter. He went to do a drive, planted on his left leg, which is not the one... That was uh, surgically repaired, so that, that maybe at least there's that, but when he took... the In real time, it looked like he had slipped on something in the slow-mo. It looked like his leg essentially buckled as he was trying to extend his left leg to jump off of it, but yeah, landed, uh, wouldn't take the stretcher, I guess, but wouldn't really walk off on his own with it, went to the locker room, we've let, yet to get an update, but... Uh, based off of Spo and the team afterwards, it really does not seem good. It did not look good. It looked like a bad non-contact injury, which are usually like ACL, MCL, out for several month type injuries. Uh, I hope he's fine. Really, really do. But just prepare for the worst if we get the update and hey, Victor Oladipo, out for the entire postseason. It's definitely a sour note to, to end that game and to end the recap on, but it has to be said it, it was significant. And obviously the team felt that as well. They, they talked about it in the postgame afterwards where, you know, we should be celebrating, but all we can feel is is how much pain we feel for Victor Oladipo and concern for him. So I wanted to make sure to highlight that as well. Now, though, you have to continue to move on the the NBA will not stop and neither can we Miami is still up 2-1 in this series and they still kept their home court advantage that's the last takeaway from this keeping the home court advantage as they continue on game four will be on Monday so let's talk a little bit about game four what we can expect So first off, as usual, let's look at the injury report and see what's going on for Miami as injuries continue to come to define this series. It's kind of messed up. Miami has had two wins this series, and both of them have also had catastrophic-looking injuries to two rotation players. Uh, As usual, Tyler Hero, though, out four to six weeks. Well, a little bit closer to three to five weeks now. But all indications report that the surgery for his shooting hand went fine, so hopefully he can just continue the healing process and maybe get back sooner than later. I already mentioned the Victor Oladipo left knee injury. No official announcement as of the time that I'm recording this. And like I mentioned, at the very least, it is not the one that he had all the work done. That was specifically his right knee, and what he injured last night was his left. We just got to keep our fingers crossed uh, for Oladipo. Nikolajovic continues to be uh, listed out due to back injury. Then that, that's just a due do, doing due do diligence part. I still don't think he'll play much of a, a factor in this series, especially if his back's hurting. And then the last part on the injury that may be the most concerning uh, for the outlook of this series: Jimmy Butler with the bruised glute listed day to day. Though I would still expect him to play on Monday, just because he's that guy. And and again, it's the difference between. A bruised muscle versus like a bruised tailbone maybe he won't be able to move around as much maybe he won't be able to jump as much like i don't think we'll try to throw alley-oops to him but it's the playoffs and it's jimmy butler and he just seems like that kind of dog as for the game itself and now we'll look to the bucks side of things Uh, both Giannis and wes matthews are still listed on the injury report I'm not quite sure about Wes Matthews. He could be useful for guarding Jimmy Butler, but if if his calf is really that hurt, maybe not. And they already have had a 10-man rotation anyway, uh, if you include Giannis. The big one, though, is Giannis. I expect him to play. So I understood before you see if you can replicate what happened in Game 2 and try to steal Game 3 without playing Giannis. Now, though, it looks like you, you just tried to get a little che- too cheeky with it, and you're in a 2-1 hole. Game four is at Miami. You kind of have to play Giannis to, uh, just to see if you can – you almost have to take this game back if you're the Bucks before you go back to Milwaukee for Game 5. So next part, what's at stakes for this series? A win here puts Miami in a commanding 3-1 position in the series. They would have Game 6 at home if they need that to close out, so like, they could lose Game 5, come back for Game 6 to close it out. And they can finish no worse than a Game 7 loss if they have a 3-1 lead. Like, At that point, the Bucks have to beat them three times in a row. Miami only has to win one of three. Uh, But a loss would see Miami lose their home court advantage. But they would still, it would be 2-2 at that point. It still guarantees game six at home that they could use to extend the series. Or if they happen to go into Milwaukee and win game five, then it sets up game six to close the series out. So this is why picking up that game three win in particular is so very important. Because it forces Game Six, which is at home, and and that just adds a little bit to your favor. But also, it keeps the pressure on the Bucks, makes things a little bit. You have a little bit more wiggle room, uh, for the Heat. So as for Miami side of things, I think they continue with the same starting lineup. Obviously, it worked in Game Three. So, I mean, typically how how the playoff series go is the team that loses is the one that has to make adjustments. The team that wins tries to continue doing what they were doing before. So in Miami's case, you will try to continue what you're doing before. Continue the same starting lineup with Kevin Love in there. the The only real difference is going to be what you do with the minutes that were allocated to Victor Oladipo, and essentially you can go one of two ways there. Either you cut the rotation down to eight, in which case your players off the bench would be Duncan, uh, Caleb Martin, and Kyle Lowry, with Kevin Love starting in place, and you know Hero and Oladipo injured, which definitely sounds plausible i mean we're, we're starting to get to the midpoint of this series now and that's typically where you see rotation start to shave off extra players anyway so i could see spolster just going hey it will just cut out old Depot's minutes and reallocate them to who else is already on there we need to play bam jimmy more anyway maybe uh more for strews or vincent etc the other way i think that you can go this if you want to keep that nine-man rotation I'd give some minutes to Haywood Highsmith just because I think he can replicate some of the defense activity and spacing. Like we saw Highsmith had some good shooting performances throughout the regular season. We know he's primarily in the rotation or sorry, on the roster for defense link, things like that perimeter type stuff. So I would give Highsmith the, the, the extra minutes should Spolster want to keep the rotation extended out to nine. I don't expect any minutes for Cody Zeller outside of Bam Love foul trouble. That was what happened in Game 3. I think that extends into Game 4. So you're primarily trying to do starting with Bam Love, and then you know whenever Bam needs to go to the bench, that's when you do Love at the 5, and then you kind of uh, stagger from there on out for the rest of the half. Like You start with those two, and then you stagger for the rest of the half. Where this preview is a little bit more interesting is what we think we'd see on the Bucks side of things. Because again, they're the losing team in this situation. They're the ones that arguably have to make the adjustments. And their adjustment might just be play Giannis regardless and and see what happens. Like, Which is a good adjustment. <laughs> hey, let's just play the best player in the world and see what happens. But outside of that... This may also be the time for the Bucks to start trimming their rotation, if Giannis comes back and they go with the same one that they've had for for this series. That's still ten players, and this this has been a common criticism of Budenholzer over the years. It kind of got forgotten once they won the title, like like a lot of things. Um, it's been well mentioned before, and a good point that Budenholzer was going to be fired in twenty twenty one until they won the title and that has effectively saved his job but part of the reasons why he was going to be fired one of which was his rotation getting too big in the playoffs and not trimming it down and reallocating those minutes to the most important players well now because again that's usually why you see uh, rotate playoff rotations you know eight sometimes nine so we have all more minutes for your best players So now uh, I think is when they could start trimming their rotation and try to get more minutes for Holiday, Middleton, and Giannis if he's back. It's a little bit not ideal uh, in the big picture sense of like, hey, this is a first round series between we're the number one seed and the number eight seed. Why are we having to trim our rotation down so much to, to, to deal with this? But... They've also been without their best player for most of the series. and currently in a 1-2 hole, and they have to avoid the 1-3 hole. So, you know, you you got to just do what you can to survive at this point. Like, again, this is part of why no team wanted to see the Miami Heat in the first round. Because they were capable of doing stuff like this if you're not 100% on your shit. But last thing I have for what, this preview is is just what's going to happen with the three-point shooting. Three-point shooting has defined the first three games of this series. 60% for Miami in the first game versus 24% for the Bucks in game one. Uh, game two, it flips the opposite way, like 31% for Miami, 60% for the Bucks outside garbage time. This one here, it got a a little bit closer, but still was heavily lopsided to Miami. 49% for Miami versus 39% for the Bucks. And 49% is still definitely unsustainably high. But it is a little bit easier to have performances like that when you have the home crowd behind you, which they will still be in Game 4. So if you're the Bucks and you're worried about the three-point shooting, which I, I guess arguably you should be at this point because that's been one of the big glaring factors in the two losses in this series— I think you try to close out harder on the shooters and force the ball inside to, like, a Jimmy or Bam. Bam did not have a very dominant Game 3, which he finished, uh, I think, 12 points. He didn't have to just because, you know, Jimmy Butler was going off and the shooters were going off and Miami was getting easy points in transition, so he did not quite have to. But if you're the Bucks, I think you try to really close out on the shooters and force the ball to Bam and make Bam beat you with the mid-range jumper. That might be the more shaky part of Miami's offense at this point. So conversely for Miami, they would probably need a combination of like, hey, be ready for dribble handoffs, Uh, be ready to set like off-ball screens, try, and then in the worst case, Bam be ready to shoot the mid-range jumper and knock it down. Because that will still be there. That's going to be there all series. Brook Lopez is going to continue to drop wall off the paint and try not to let Bam get to the free throw line or right to the rim. So the other counter for that is is the mid-range jumper. That's what Bam has developed his game at for the moment. That's all I have for a bit of a long preview The next game will be Game 5, which will be on Wednesday. So the plan, Game 4 is Monday night. So I'll do this same kind of format, game recap, and look ahead Tuesday morning for Game 5 on Wednesday. But I do thank you for hanging around today. That'll be all for this episode. Please, if you can, follow the pod off of Twitter at Heaters Heating and myself at Kyle underscore B underscore Russell. Also check out the other great pods we have at OTG Basketball off of Twitter. Links for everything are in the show notes as usual. I'll be back on Tuesday. So until then, I hope you all have a good one. Heat Nation.